When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Get in the know, non-stop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and scorenorth.com. It's the comfort level for me of understanding how I can maximize my time, not only during that three-and-a-half-hour window uh, on Sunday, but the, the time leading up to the games and, and how I prepare our entire team, coaches included, alongside our players to be at our best when we get those 17 opportunities. And, and I feel very strongly that I've learned a lot. Um, there's a lot of things that I, I feel we did well, uh, but there's definitely some things that I look back on personally that I could be much better for our team, and that's going to be a major priority for me. I love the way he phrases certain things, like those 17, not games, opportunities Mm -hmm. in the National Football League. (laughs) And there were 18, really, this year. There were 18 opportunities. Well, if you want to count preseason, technically there were like 21 opportunities to grow and get better. Uh, Well, Purple Daily, we have at least 365 opportunities, sometimes multiple in one day. Like today, we're giving you a bonus episode. You guys are going to sit down with... Thor Nystrom, uh, I have a conflict today. I'm uh, presenting something to our Hubbard St. Louis office that can't, the, the the time slot can't move and we can't move Thor. And so I'm going to have to bow out of today's mm-hmm. Purple Daily, unfortunately. You guys can clown me all you want to. Oh, no, we won't. I, I might be joining you from, uh, chill over here. if I don't join an airplane tomorrow, I might just be from MSP for like three days starting tomorrow if I don't make my flight on time. What time is your flight tomorrow? One o'clock. And, and I think I'm literally going to be right in the sweet spot of this uh, supposed lull in the snowstorms. So hmm. I might be on the tail end of when things are just about to pick up again. And I think then I'll be okay. I think, God willing, I'll yeah. be okay. Not to be the bearer of bad news, but um, Channel 45, one one of our sister stations this morning uh, said they're already starting to cancel flights. See, they try to get a jump start on it. Like, that's Sports the problem. Is, in. Hey, by the way, Dex, pro- your, your flight's that's canceled. That's the problem. I, mean, I, said, I said I prefaced it with the very, the very curb-like not to be the bearer of bad news. So don't blame me, comma. But they're starting to cancel flights. Already. But you are the bearer. You can't say yeah. not to be the bearer of well, bad no, news. Well, no, but I'm not. But I'm the messenger. Bad, bad you are you the bearer of bad news. But you guys have heard the term "don't shoot the messenger." I'm the that messenger. Would, yeah, you could. Yes, but you're I'm still, not canceling but, the flights. But you're bringing a bad message, so you're still the bearer. Well, right. right? That's why I'm saying not to be. Don't blame me. Uh. Let me off the hook. But I am. But I am the bearer of great news when it comes to our Vikings. I know that. Well, we'll see about that because we're going to talk about Kevin O'Connell. We're going to let's let's go through. On this bonus episode today, 
Um, just sort of wh- where we think he is after his first year. What can he improve on? What do we like the best about him? Purple Daily presented by TCL, which is now an official partner of the NFL. Um, redefine creativity with the 30V 5G smartphone from TCL. Enjoy blazing fast 5G speed and an AI-powered 50-megapixel triple camera system. Yeah, that's a lot of megapixels. Um, Ultra-realistic and true-to-life visuals powered by Next Vision and booming sound from the dual speakers. Learn more at TCL.com. So here's my first question for you guys on uh, KOC here. I'm going to just ask you a series of questions. I want you to grade him on an A to F scale rookie season as a head coach, A being 1998 Dennis Green. Okay. Or or whatever, maybe it's like nineteen seventy something Bud Grant, you know, whatever whatever your A version of a Vikings head coaching season is, and then the F being like nineteen eighty three Les Steckel, just one and done, embarrassing, back to Bud Grant. Um, how would you grade Kevin O'Connell in his first season? Oh boy, so it's not it's you know it's definitely not uh, uh, ninety eight Dennis Green, but it's pretty damn strong. I, I would grade him as a as a B. So if green is an A plus or green is an A right there, I, I would say he, he gets a B plus. I would say that he did a very good job. Like, and, and look, I mean, he came in and changed a lot of things took right or wrong, largely the same group of people who had failed pretty, pretty uh, significantly for a couple of years with Zim and um, did something that I certainly didn't think was possible. I mean, Yes, they were probably fortunate to win 13 games, but at the end of the day, they still won 13 games. So I would say a B plus. I thought he did. I thought for his first year, first time head coach, he did a really, really good job. I'd give him an A minus. I'm going to go up to an A minus. Um, certainly not perfect, uh, but he exceeded expectations, won 13 games, brought this team a division championship a month before the season ended, uh, brought him to the doorsteps of a home playoff game. Uh, yeah, it, it didn't end great, and there were certainly some warts to pick out, which we'll get into in this episode as well. I think it's an A minus. I, I really, I think it's above B plus work. It's in that A, it's in that A category for me. So I go A minus. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of more with Declan on this. I'm actually going to give him an A. All right. I think I'm going to give him an A. The, the defense is the one thing that you would say, okay, wow. And there were some offensive things here and there. Where, but, but ultimately, he took a team that it kind of sputtered, you know, eight, nine wins under Mike Zimmer and also one of the worst defenses in the league. So it wasn't like the defense took a big step back or anything. They just kind of remained bad under Kevin O'Connell. But he took essentially, you know, 90% of the same players, most of the key players, and increased the win total by five in his rookie season. Uh, so I think if you just if you just look at it from that perspective, okay, you're going to swap coaches and... um Basically run it back with the same core with a couple different tweaks here and there. Add a Harrison Phillips and a another guy or two. Ed Ingram at right guard or something. Uh, if you can increase the win total by five over the guy that got fired, he did a great job. Playoff failure, defense, maybe waiting too long. I think we're going to get to some of the other you know things about him too, so I don't want to go too far here. But there are things to nitpick. But at the end of the day, um, the guy did... <laughs> Almost double the win total from fired Mike Zimmer. Okay, what do you think is KOC's best attribute? I think it's his ability to galvanize the team locker room. I, like I, I don't even think it's in question. This team definitely needed a change in chemistry, and 
to use Patrick Royce's favorite word, culture. And he did a great job. Um, seeing his post-game speeches after wins was pretty impressive. And those are hard to be impressive in because they're sort of, they can get really cliched really fast. Um, but, you know, you've got to convey a sense of, um, of who you are. It's got to, it's got to come off as sincere. And I feel like O'Connell does a really good job of that. I don't, so like if, if you go to, to a guy like Fleck, right, there's times where you're like, this sort of seems like an act. Like this doesn't seem like it's sustainable or real. I don't think in year one that there was one time where I saw O'Connell and I'm like, this isn't him. Um, so I think that's the most important step. I think he is, he was a culture changer with this, which this franchise desperately was in need of. So just as a starting point, I think that's his greatest attribute as a person, because that also is incredibly important for a coach. I would say uh, just being an offensive-minded coach and being with the Times. Um, Mike Zimmer was, at one time, was still you know with the Times. I know he brought back the defense, but it, but it still worked in that era of the NFL, right? Like in 2015-17, you were still able to play shutdown defense, and his defense was really damn good. Got them the number one defense in the NFL. Brought him on the doorstep of winning a Super Bowl, or going to a Super Bowl potentially. But then things got stale, right? The times changed. Uh, Sean McVay came in. Jared Goff all of a sudden was developing. Then these new influx of quarterbacks came in, and the Vikings were still kind of stuck in their ways. I think Kevin O'Connell coming in here and just making this offense what it should be, which was a top 10 offense, unlocking some of those attributes from Kirk, feeding Justin Jefferson, feeding TJ Hawkinson, just basically making the Vikings offense look more timely. And I think what's even scarier is in a good way is that we still haven't seen the Vikings offense reach its fullest potential, right? Like that Mm -hmm. was, we were asking the Vikings just to be a top 10 offense. That was the floor of our expectation. And I think whoever comes in here next, whether it's still Kirk in in, in year two of Kevin O'Connell's system or a new quarterback, how does Kevin O'Connell take a top 10 offense and not just have him ninth or eighth and bring him first, second or third? Yeah, I think, Connecting with players, definitely, you know, if if Mike Zimmer wasn't making eye contact and his coaching staff with Brian O'Neill in the hallway, Kevin O'Connell was giving these ride-or-die speeches after every win. You know, the, the one where his voice cracks, I think, was it after the historic comeback? Or maybe it was one of the other games. And his voice kind of cracked, and they and he had to pause, and the team starts clapping, and he goes, you know, I will ride with this group. And so they won't let us play any more games. You know, like Mike Zimmer wasn't connecting with guys on that level. He's not giving bear hugs to players after he gives them a game ball in the locker room. So now can can that maybe be a problem if not harnessed in the right way? Can you is he gonna be able to make objective decisions about players that he loves and that he has poured his entire, you know, soul into building relationships with? We're gonna find that out maybe even in the next few weeks. So I would say connecting with players and then you know, the stats don't necessarily fully bear this out because they did slip in some of these areas toward the end of the year, but I would say situational offense is a big strength of his. At least he's he's aware of it. They do um, a lot of work in practice and during the offseason, at least in his first year, on fourth quarter, close games, two-minute drill, third downs, red zones. So, I mean, to me, those are the areas where you can be great all you want, in the scripted plays, you can be great all you want between the 20s, but if you can't convert in those sort of high-leverage situations, and the Vikings, when when the fourth quarter came around offensively, they were one of the best and most explosive offenses in the league. So I would say, I'm, I guess I'm cheating. I'm saying his two best attributes are connecting with players and uh, and just situational high-leverage offense. On the flip side, 
What is the number one thing you want Kevin O'Connell to be better at in his second year? I think this is the one thing that is very difficult for guys, especially now because they're they're almost always hired because of an expertise on one side of the football. But I want him to do a better job of running the entire team. Um, he doesn't get an A or A minus from me in part because the Donatell hire has to be held against him. That was a massive whiff. Um, it was an assumption that was dangerous and, and incorrect, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And so, like, you have to run the team. You can't say, you know, Ed Donatel runs a defense that I like because Vic Fangio had success with that, and therefore Ed is the guy who's going to – you, you at some point in time, Kevin had to step in stronger. Um, the Giants playoff game, he clearly didn't step in enough. Like there was playing time that wasn't distributed in that game that made no sense. So, and and look, I mean, this is not like a huge demerit. It's not like he gets an F, but I think it's the reality of how you parse out your time and maybe give up some responsibilities that you enjoy because there's other responsibilities that now fall under your purview that you didn't really want to as much. Um but that's my biggest thing, and I think that is something that all first-time head coaches learn. But the Donatel one, the defensive one, was definitely a strike against him. Yeah, you can't just ignore it completely the other side of the football. And I, underst- I understood at the time what, obviously, Kevin O'Connell was doing, hiring a, a veteran guy like Ed Donatel, who's been around numerous defenses for basically his entire entire life. But he kind of ignored that part. And another area for me, um, something that I was harping on with you guys, is short yardage to go situations. I mean, he just got way too cute on the third and ones, third and twos, fourth and one, fourth and two, um, lining up in shotgun a lot. I'm all for the offense looking modern. You can still do that. But there's also situations where you don't have to completely be in shotgun formation and confusing situations when all you need, dude, is two more yards. You don't need to go for a home run play on fourth and two. You just got to get two more yards, new set of downs, then pull out your next bag of tricks, right? So I would say short yards ago situations, he sometimes overthought things and got a little bit too ahead of his skis. And I think that's the area where he'll have to improve next season. Yeah. Uh, I definitely agree with with what Judd said in terms of you're the head coach of a football team here. And and he did halfway through the season. Okay, they did the the self-scout. And he, you know, according to reports, he sat down with Ed Donatel and said, all right, as an offensive guy, here's how predictable your defense is. But ultimately, you signed off on the hire. You let these 400-yard, you know, a opposing offense performances continue for like six weeks and you rode Ed Donatel into the playoffs. So like being the head coach of the whole team, that's even if it means giving up play calling at some point, because you're just more valuable as the overseer of everything. Uh, But I'm going to be more specific. One of the things I'd really like to see improve the Vikings offense would just disappear for like two quarters, almost every game. They would either not show up in the first half and then have to, you know, light the thing on fire in the second half, like that Colts game. Uh, Or they would, like in the third quarter, for instance, at the halfway mark of the season, the Vikings were averaging like a point and a half per third quarter. And uh, they did wind up, because of the Colts game and because of a couple other games toward the end, they wound up going from dead last in third quarter scoring to 22nd, but they still averaged three and a half points per third quarter. So, okay, you're coming out of the locker room. One of the big things he preaches is, you know, the middle eight, right, winning the last four minutes of the first half and the first four minutes of the, of the second half. And they just weren't scoring points in the third quarter. They'd go and, you know, 
cliche halftime adjustments. I don't know what they were doing at halftime in some of these games, but you can't just disappear offensively for like two or three quarters and then expect to flip the switch. That's not going to be a sustainable formula against a first place schedule in 2023. Um, And then my last KOC question, and we will get to a mock here on this episode. Do you guys think KOC has the chops after seeing him for one year to lead the Vikings to a Super Bowl championship? If the roster stars align, you know, it's ultimately it's going to be Kwesi having to build the roster. But do you think he has the chops at some point in the next five to eight years to coach a Super Bowl winning team? I will start out by saying I have no idea because that all depends on one thing. Could he find the quarterback? Like this is actually a more important scouting question for, for him. Yes, I think as a coach, he definitely does. I think he has a mentality that I like. I think he has a mentality that players gravitate towards. I think that if they get the right components in place on defense, they will ultimately be fine there. Um, But you know what we don't know? We don't know how good a scout he is when it comes to quarterbacks. And that is the question. Like, do I think that he has the chops to take a, a slappy QB who signed off the street and win a championship? No, most coaches don't. Almost no coaches do. Yeah. So, yes, I think as a coach, he does. But that being said, that almost my answer in that vein almost doesn't matter because the real question is, because my contention is Kirk Cousins is never going to win a championship. Can he identify, can he find, can the Vikings position themselves in the right place to get a quarterback who he can then ride to a championship as a coach? So this really all depends on answering that that question in my mind. Yes, I will say as a coach he does, but no, he doesn't if he can't find the quarterback. Do you think he thinks Kirk Cousins can win a championship? You know, Phil, that's a very interesting question that always goes back to my covering the Wild in 2003 when they had no chance in my mind to go uh, to the Stanley Cup. And that's the first time I realized people who work in that end, I mean, high-end coaches and players don't think like we think. So they suspend what I realized back then is the the ability of coaches and players for the most part to suspend their belief in what we think is real and not they think yes I can. So yes, I do think he does think that. I do too. But I, but I also don't think that he that you know, I think they ident- I think they probably talk about identifying a quarterback for the future, but yes, I think if you were to ask him sincerely, do you think that you can win a championship with Kirk? He would say yes. I happen to disagree with that. One of the biggest things I've been wrong about over the last like 12 to 15 months on this show is, and, I, and there is a, there's Twitter evidence of me saying this. So I'm kind of paraphrasing. I don't remember what the exact tweet was. When Kwesi and KOC signed on to lead the Vikings, I said, do the math here, folks. Are these guys really, when it came to like a Kirk contract extension, are these guys really going to attach like the first two or three years of their coaching and GM careers to Kurt Cousins, who's never come close at any level of his football life to winning a championship, high school, college, or the NFL? And the answer so far has been they happily attached themselves to the first year of Cousins, and they won 13 games. They're almost certainly going to attach the second year of their GM and head coaching 10 years to Cousins, and there's a pretty good chance that they extend him into 2024, which means they're going to commit probably the first three years of running the the franchise of NFL franchise for the first time to Kirk Cousins. Um to me I think that's play it safe mode. To me like when when you are 
Alex Smith, Kirk Cousins, Derek Carr, you know, these types of quarterbacks, you can definitely do a lot worse. And that's why you have those guys. That's why you don't move off those guys. Because what if you draft a Christian Ponder, right? But are you really winning a Super Bowl with those guys making like 30 to $40 million? And to this point, both Kevin O'Connell and Quasey have said yes. With hubris, have said yes, we can. This is part of, this is a central part of our plan. And so if he continues to be steadfast in paying a non elite quarterback elite money, he can't win. I don't think he can win a Super Bowl doing it that way. I don't think there's a blueprint out there unless someone can find one. Well, Matthew Stafford with the Rams. Well, Matthew Stafford, I know people like to lump him in with Kirk Cousins because, you know, they're both kind of that, you know, 10th to 15th ranked quarterback. But you got to remember, Matthew Stafford, in terms of just pure talent and upside, was the number one overall pick. He was one of the best quarterbacks in college, highly touted, right? And then he got stuck with the Lions franchise, one of the most dumpster fire franchises in professional sports for a decade. Mm -hmm. So I don't put Stafford and Cousins on the same level. And I don't think you can say, well, KOC was part of a team that won it with Stafford. Therefore, you can do the same thing with Cousins. Those are two different human beings, two different wirings, two totally different scenarios, if you ask me. I think in fairness, though, we don't know what's going to cause them to potentially pivot. And so, like, that's the thing is there's there's still a lot of unknown and unexplored ground here when it comes to Quazy and Kevin. And so, you know, we don't know in off-season conversations what's going to cause them to say, yeah, you know what, this guy's good, but he's not. And plus, if they ever think, especially Kevin, if he ever thinks that he can get a quarterback that he's identified and he can develop, I think that ball of clay is too seductive to keep a guy like Kirk. So but they have like, to be in a position. That's the problem with like when you have yep. when you have Kirk Cousins. Every team that's ever had Kirk Cousins, the worst season is seven and nine. Mm-hmm. There's there's never been a five win Kirk Cousins team. <laughs> there's never been a three win Kirk Cousins team. Hang the banner. You avoid being a train wreck when Kirk Cousins is your quarterback, but you also have a glass ceiling on how far you can go while simultaneously eliminating you from ever having a top 10 pick. It's been like eight years of that with Washington, with Minnesota. So the longer you continue to go, yeah, it's safe. You're definitely going to be competitive when you have Kirk Cousins. But are you going to win a Super Bowl? And if you're not going to win a Super Bowl, okay, well, who, okay, how do you find the next quarterback that's going to make a lot less money and maybe have more upside? Well, are you going to draft him at 23? How lucky would you have to be for like the next Lamar Jackson to fall to you? Maybe Anthony Richardson falls, but you're probably, as long as you have cousins, you're probably going to have to be aggressive and trade a bunch of assets to move up to find his replacement. That That's Giants, the reality. That Giants playoff game, too, provides such an interesting juxtaposition of Kirk because, you know, statistically, his defenders will say, and rightfully so, man, look at this. Play. I mean, he wasn't why they lost that game. He was fantastic, and he was statistically. But if you're the Vikings, wouldn't you love to be a fly on the wall to know what is the what is the rationale of Kirk Cousins was really good to he checked it down on fourth and eight because that's not going to be ignored. Like football people don't, that was a blip on the radar. That's like a tell. So it would be so interesting to have been, or to be in that building as they sort of discuss these things and like who takes the fault for that? Because I mean, that's ultimately Kirk's call. Like that play wasn't drawn up. So like this, that's sort of the story of Kirk, which side do you take there? I feel like every football person, too, like people that are in the league or recently retired, we heard from Patrick Peterson on his podcast, Kurt Warner, 
you know, our guy, Alex Boone, Jeremiah Cyril's came on Purple Daily a few weeks ago. Like every person in the league or recently retired has had the same reaction to that. There's a lot of fans who are trying to defend it. Like, well, what's he supposed to do? There's pressure. But like everyone in the league has said, of course, there's going to be pressure. Like you still don't make that throw. <laughs> and you're right. I think it is a topic. I don't, I don't know if it's like the thing that prevents them from extending him through 2024 and lowering the cap hit. But in terms of, can you win a Super Bowl? throws like that, I think like you have to discuss like, okay, if it's a moment of football crisis, is this what his brain is going to do? I will say on a positive note, just to answer the question of, you know, can KOC, does he have the chops to lead the Vikings to a Super Bowl? If you look at the last four Super Bowls and the coaches that have at least brought their team to the Super Bowl, either lost or won it, uh, there's six of them. Six different coaches have coached in the Super Bowl the last four years. Sean McVay, Andy Reid, Bruce Arians, Zach Taylor, Nick Sirianni, Kyle Shanahan. All six of them offensive-minded. Mm-hmm. All six of them aggressive play callers. And all six of them excellent at developing and maximizing quarterbacks. And Kevin O'Connell, to this point, seems to kind of fit that mold. He's offensive-minded. He was very aggressive and not only in play calling, but just in the way that he preached to Kirk Cousins, keep pumping the ball down the field when the game is close late. Um, and he got the most out of Cousins, at least in like the high leverage situations, than any coach has to this point. So I'm not saying that because Sean McVay and you know Kyle Shanahan went to a Super Bowl that um, that KOC ha- now now he's destined to, but he at least sort of fits that blueprint. Get ready for one incredible night of rock. With Static X and Seven Dust, Machine Killer North American Tour, Saturday, May 18th, Myth Live, with special guests Dope and Lines of Loyalty. Tickets on sale now at MythLive.com or eTix.com. Don't miss Static X and Seven Dust. Okay, you guys want to mock? Let's do this mock, yeah. Let's, okay. let's do it. Let's fire this up here. Uh, a quick mock for you guys. Mock. It's our uh, mock draft roundup. We've done, I don't know, it looks like about 16 of these so far. And two-thirds of them have the Vikings drafting a cornerback. So that's the way that the mock world is leaning at this point. This mock draft presented by our friends at Athletic Greens. Talk about a game changer. Athletic Greens AG1. Um, so for me, and I've been using athletic greens products personally for like six years, I want to say since 2017. And the biggest things I notice with the latest AG one mix is that my brain fog is lifted. My energy levels are heightened. It helps with my gut health, supports my immune system. I just feel dialed in after, uh, drinking my AG one mix, one scoop mixed in with water. You can either do it in the morning. I've kind of mixed it up and I'll do it in the morning sometimes, but sometimes I'll wait and do it like middle of the day. So that uh, I don't hit that little two o'clock, three o'clock, you know, snooze period. But seventy-five high-quality ingredients, giving me and all of you who have partaken in this uh, important daily nutrients. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com/slash/purple-daily. AthleticGreens.com slash Purple Daily. And you can help us out as well when you go and use uh, that link. AthleticGreens.com slash Purple Daily. All right, dudes. 
let's mock here, from our friends at CBSSports.com. No trade with the number one pick. Okay. They just have Will Anderson going to the Bears. All right. And then they have Bryce Young going to the Texans. Jalen Carter to the Cardinals. C.J. Stroud, Colts. Let's skip down here. First cornerback is Joey Porter Jr. to the Lions at six. Ooh, he's going up on this one. Mm-hmm. Will Levis to the Raiders at seven. Anthony Richardson to the Panthers at nine. Okay. Second cornerback, Christian Gonzalez to the Eagles. First receiver goes to the Texans, Jordan Addison at 12. Quentin Johnston, the second receiver to the Patriots at 14. Uh, let's see. Let's just get down to the Vikings here. Let's see. Uh, okay, wow. Pick 23. According to CBSSports.com, the Minnesota Vikings select. Out of Georgia, cornerback Kelly Ringo. I want to mock. mock. Great football name, by the way. Ringo. Kelly I Ringo. love Ringo for a football name. It is pretty good. Game. Just go with the one name. Yep. Uh, the the Georgia to first round pipeline continues a year after five Bulldogs went in round one. Expect a handful this time around two. Uh, Ringo is a long physical corner who has matched up against some of the best players in the country. They've got him as the fifth best cornerback here, according to CBS's ranking. So maybe you Back guys can the ask Thor train. about him or something. Yeah. So that's the second time we've seen Kelly Ringo go to the Vikings in these mocks. Lance Zierlein from NFL.com also had Kelly Ringo. So another cornerback to the Vikings in a mock. Perhaps I'll surprise I want you. A mock. Mock. Interesting. Uh, also, a shout out to our friends at Federated Mutual Insurance Company, helping keep the lights on here for our football takes at Score North and Purple Daily. Federated's been helping business owners for over a hundred years. It's like having a great offensive line protecting your business, looking out on the horizon at various risks. You can find out more at federatedinsurance.com where it's our business to protect yours. All right, dudes, there we go. We just gave Kevin O'Connell his report card. I'm sure he will watch this episode or listen to it about nine times. Pretty positive. I mean, he I deserves think so. it. Yeah. I think so. Yeah, what grade would you guys give him? So we have B plus, A minus, A here. Uh, let us know in the YouTube comment section and please click the like button and the subscribe button to help spread the word about this awesome Vikings fan community you guys are helping us build and we'll see you uh you guys will be uh connecting with Thor here for a deep reckless speculation draft dive and then tomorrow write that down predictions and an accountability session see ya